This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good. It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. Hello and welcome to the Action Network podcast. My name is Michael Leboff and this is your Euro 2020 soccer betting preview show. With me today, BJ Cunningham of beautiful Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and Anthony DeBundo of Greater Philadelphia. We'll have Euro 2020 bet tracking in the app. We'll be supporting it. The product guys did a great job of getting that in on time. So you will be able to track all your bets throughout the tournament. I believe the next app release is next week, so be sure to look out for that. And of course, read all of our coverage on actionnetwork.com. Before I introduce the panelists, let's just quickly go over how this tournament works. A lot of you out there may not be as in the weeds about Euro 2020 as we are, so a quick overview won't hurt. It's a 24-team tournament with six groups of four. The top two teams in each group will then move on, and also four of the best third-place teams. That sounds like a lot, but in the end, you're going to have 16 teams after the uh, group stage playing a knockout tournament, a single elimination knockout tournament. And a quick look at the odds. At the top, you got the big boys, France at plus 480, England plus 540, Belgium plus 750, Portugal eight to one, Germany nine to one, Italy nine to one, Spain nine to one, the Netherlands 15 to one. And then there's a bit of a drop off, right? This is where we start to get into sleeper territory. Denmark is, is pretty interesting. They're 25 to 1. BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, said last week that Denmark is their third biggest liability. They opened them up at 80 to 1. They're all the way down to 25 to 1. And they're kind of a bridge between the top of the board and the next range, which starts with Croatia at 40 to 1, Turkey 50 to 1, Switzerland 60 to 1, Sweden 75 to 1, Poland 80 to 1, Austria 100 to 1, Russia also at 100 to 1. So is the Ukraine. Czech Republic at 125 to 1, Scotland 200 to 1, Wales 200 to 1, Slovakia 400 to 1, and then of course the three biggest long shots, Finland 500 to 1, Hungary 500 to 1, and everyone's favorite sleeper, Cinderella story, North Macedonia, their first international tournament, sitting there at 500 to 1, the birthplace of Alexander the Great, if I'm not mistaken. So BJ, I just went ran through those odds. What team is your favorite outright bet? What team sticks out the most to you? It really kind of starts at the top of the board here with France. I think if you really look through this tournament, you're not going to find a team with better a combination of talent, squad continuity, and experience than France. I mean, they're obviously the 2018 World Cup champions, and they're bringing back pretty much the exact same roster they won that 2018 World Cup with, and they're also adding one of the best strikers in the world in Kareem Benzema who hasn't played for the national team in five years and scored 30 goals for Real Madrid this season. So, and you just look up and down this roster, there's just so much talent, you know, Mbappe, Griezmann, and Benzema is just a frightening, you know, front three. And then the midfield, you know, Paul Pogba and N'Golo Kante are two of the best midfielders in the Premier League. And I think some people have, you know, some question marks here with France and their defense, but they actually only allowed 0.7 expected goals per match if you date all the way back to the 2018 World Cup. So, they are in the group of death here with, you know, group F with Portugal and Germany, but if they're able to win group F, which I personally think they should be able to do, I mean, the tournament sets up just perfectly for them. They wouldn't have to face another group winner until the semifinals. And then there they'd have to play the winner of probably the winner of group B or group A, which would most likely be Belgium or Italy, which they're absolutely capable of beating. And then they get to the final and you have a chance to hedge there. So 
you know, it is chalky kind of here at the top of the board, but I think if you're looking, yeah, at France at, at plus 450, I think there's still a little bit of value there at the top of the board. Of course, France coming off the, the World Cup win. They've, they've won Euros. They're, you know, this is an incredible team. Anthony, you uh, are you in a, uh, in agreement with, with BJ? Are you going a little lower than the board? How boring are you going to get? Yeah, I'm not going to take France. I, th- I think France is, is the favorite for a reason, and they are the best team in the competition, but the best teams don't usually win these competitions. Just kind of how it do- has always shaken out. And, you know, France, for all the attacking talent they have, uh, there are some question marks in, in defense and the fact that they're playing four center backs again, which worked in 2018 at the World Cup, but it may not work this time. Uh, and N'Golo Kante has a lot of minutes on him. Uh, everybody's relying on him. If he picks up a knock, if he, if he isn't 100%, uh, there's not a ton of midfield depth behind him and their system under Deschamps is so reliant on him uh, to kind of break up play and then just let Mbappe and Griezmann go and run wild and make some magic, which is basically how they won the World Cup, uh, beating Belgium and Croatia in those last two games. But I like Portugal and I know they're in the same group. They're uh, they're eight to one right now. Uh, Portugal, yeah, they're in the group of death, but if they're able to get out of the group of death, like PJ said, if they weren't able to win the group, they would have a really favorable draw. If they were to come in third in the group, they would also potentially see the Netherlands and then either Denmark, Turkey, or Switzerland en route to the semifinals. That's a pretty favorable path. Uh, it, it gets a little tougher if they come in second. So it's kind of going to be a weird you know, game theory type of thing going on the last group game when France plays Portugal uh, in late June. But I think this Portugal team has a lot of talent. Going forward, the most talent they probably ever had, you know, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, but Diogo Jota, Bernardo Silva, and then Bruno Fernandes behind him. That four uh, going forward, plus they have two of the best attacking fullbacks in the world and Rafael Guerrero, left back from Dortmund, and uh, Joao Cancelo, who they're going to play on the right. And then they have experience uh, in the midfield with Jean Moutinho is still around. Ruben Neves had a breakout year for Wolves. Uh, so they have a lot of, a lot of depth in the midfield and they have uh, one of the best center backs, young center backs in the world and Ruben Diaz, who many think was the best in the Prem this year, uh, to partner with Pepe, who's still there at 38 and still great in the air. So they have all the pieces for me to make a run. Uh, and, uh, if it gets to pens, they have Ronaldo and, and Fernandez and that's how they won 2016. They never, they, they, they got very lucky and they didn't win a single game in regulation until the semifinals, yeah, they won the tournament. So a lot of randomness can happen in these fields. And I like Portugal as my dark horse. Yeah, that's, I mean, you touched on it, right? There's a lot of game theory and stuff that goes involved in these, get in your handicapping for these tournaments, because it's, it's not very straightforward. There's a lot of different tiebreakers. Obviously the, the, the penalty kicks is just basically a coin flip. Um, and that, that leads me to, to look down the board. And uh, there's been a couple of, of, legitimate like sporting miracle long shots who have won the euros uh 1992 denmark won they weren't even in the tournament there was a civil war in yugoslavia so the uefa called denmark and said look this team can't come because there's a civil war going on in their country um you guys can slot in so they come slot they they come in they win the entire tournament in 1992 as as huge underdogs and then of course the pirotico uh greek team that that translates to, to pirate ship which tells you how they played right they would just steal every game. They were, they would sit back, wait for a chance to on the counter, win one, nothing, and then put 11 huge Greek guys behind the ball and defend like hell. And it worked. And then, like you said, the Portugal uh, 2016 run where they didn't win a game until uh, the knockout stage. So I think uh, that leads me to think, all right, I'm going to take pepper a couple shots. The one I like is Turkey still They're at 50 to one. They, they've come down a little bit, but this team is really good. You know, one through 11 with their depth maybe is not that great, but you're talking about a, a good center back pair with 
Demaral and and look, Anthony did a great job pronouncing the names uh, for Portugal. I'm going to butcher some for for Turkey and some other countries, so bear with us here. And Soyonku of of Leicester City, like this team has a very strong spine, very well organized. They were one of the best defensive teams during qualifying. Their path is also pretty favorable, right? They're they're in group with Italy. They open up against Italy, so you actually can probably wait uh, to get a better number because if they lose to Italy in their opener, they'll probably pump up to maybe eighty to one, hundred to one, and Finishing second in that group is a is a great path, and if they can find a way to do that, if they can even scratch out third place, I don't. This team has a very high ceiling. They do have a low floor, but I think they have a pretty high ceiling, and that's what I'm looking for in an underdog. So there you have it. You got the uh, France, Portugal, Turkey as as our three favorite outright bets. Let's just jump right into the group stage because uh, this is when it gets pretty exciting, right? Group A is. The headliners are Italy. They're odds on minus 186 favorites to win the group. Switzerland behind them at plus 475. Turkey plus 540. Wales 12 to 1. And remember, Wales was a Cinderella story. Made it to the semifinals in the last Euros behind Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. And and some, you know, let's be honest, some very good luck. So, Anthony, uh, is this as straightforward as Italy going to just romp over these other three teams? I don't think so. Uh, I actually took some Turkey plus one in the first game uh, on Friday. Uh, that's that's getting the Euros kicked off three o'clock Eastern uh, in Rome. So the Italy will have the home field uh, for all of their home ma- for all their group stage matches. The rest of the games will be played in Azerbaijan. Uh, so definitely an interesting travel situation for some of those teams. That being said, I'm not as sold on Italy as everybody else is. Marco Verratti, uh, their star center, uh, center midfielder, who's probably one of the most underrated players in the world, uh, is going to probably miss the first game, and he may be out even longer. He's not going to be 100% fit. They're really relying on him, uh, him partnering with Jorginho in the midfield and, and Nico Barella. Uh, they have a, a solid midfield, but without Verratti, it just kind of lacks the uh, you know the solidity that he provides and the ability to kind of ping passes forward. Uh, to the runners that they're going to have. And they're not really built to break down some of the weaker teams. I know they had an excellent run in qualifying since missing the 2018 World Cup, but I think they're a little vulnerable because their center backs are old. Benucci and Chiellini, they're running it back, but they're both in their mid-30s now. And up top, Immobile, Ciro Immobile is going to be their striker. He's never been one to really, uh, you know, be more of a poacher. He's more of a get in behind kind of guy. And there's not going to be a ton of space in behind when they're playing Switzerland and Turkey and Wales, who are going to be more compact and look to break. Uh, so I think it's going to be a difficult go at it for Italy. I think there's, there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think if I were to guess which game, which group is going to have the most draws, it would probably be this one. Uh, it's pretty balanced. Uh, but I think um, for me, I think Italy still wins the group, but I'm certainly not laying 186. I took some Switzerland uh, plus 475 to come in and win the group. I also like Switzerland minus 165 to advance. The Swiss have a really good spine through the middle. And Brian Embolo is one of my favorite uh, breakout strikers. Uh, he's a young guy from uh, Mönchengladbach and he's he's poised to break through. And with Shakiri playing passes in behind to him, I think they have a real path here to uh, break down some of these older center backs that you're going to see in the, in this group. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a pretty good roundup, right? And Anthony's got a vowel at the end of his name, so if he's saying that Italy is is a little overrated, you, you might want to take his word for it. BJ, uh, what do you think, Group A? Yeah, I, I agree with Anthony here. I think this is. I mean, I think Italy most likely will win this group. Like like Anthony said, I'm certainly not going to lay 185, but you know they're playing two really good defenses in Turkey and Switzerland. I mean, like we already talked about, you know, Turkey only allowed. 0.97 expected goals per match throughout Euro and World Cup qualifying. And they play this weird 4-1-4-1 formation that not a lot of teams really see, which allows them to keep a ton of guys behind the ball and play very defensive. So 
I think it's going to be really difficult for, you know, an aging Immobile, like you said, and Insigne to get through and score against them. And then, you know, looking at the Swiss, they also have two really good defenders in Nkanji and uh, Evaldi, who play, both play in the Bundesliga. And we're actually both really good for Dortmund and Gladbach this year. You know, it's just a really, really difficult group when it comes to trying to honestly score. And then even the, you know, Wales sitting there at the bottom, you know, they still have a pretty good defense too. They only allowed 1.12 expected goals per match throughout your own World Cup qualifying. And they actually played the toughest strength of schedule of anybody coming into this tournament. And if we're talking about strength of schedule, the Italians actually through your own World Cup qualifying actually played the lowest strength of schedule of anybody in the tournament. The highest ranked team they've played uh, basically since that 2018 World Cup is Northern Ireland, who is 45th in the FIFA rankings and not even in this tournament. So they actually haven't even played a team that's in this tournament. So yeah, like you said, I think Italy definitely has the most talent in this group and they probably should win it, but I'm certainly not going to lay minus 185 for them to win it. Yeah, they're they're an interesting case because I mean, it's if they're the perfect, will we be surprised if they go out in, you know, in the group stage? Yeah, sure. But it wouldn't be like a huge shocker. But would it also be a surprise if they win the tournament? No, because that's, you know, what they do. They, they haven't lost under Mancini, basically, uh, since he took over a couple of years ago. So, I mean, we'll move on to Group B. One of the, the weirdest setup groups because of the way it's structured at the top, right? Belgium is, is odds on minus 140 favorite to win the group with Denmark plus 260 behind them. Russia just over five to one. And then Finland at 30 to one. Just keep in mind that like we said in the, off the off the jump, like this tournament is always incredibly random. And Anthony talked about how Portugal won uh, 2016. Who won their group? Hungary. So like hung, like these really kind of long, long shots that, yeah, they might not win the tournament, but you could maybe get value on them uh, by backing them to win a group or, or something like that. And that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about here, right? Like I think everybody loves loves Belgium when they're healthy. I think everybody Denmark is clearly the the Austria of like last year last Euros Austria was a huge sleeper everybody loved them what did Austria do they had a, a real stinker and, and went out real quick um, who knows with Russia uh, and, and and I'm not just saying that about soccer like you know that's just Russia in, in general and then uh, Finland at thirty to one like I I would never talk anybody out of backing any team at you know twenty to one or thirty to one to win their group in a tournament just because we just don't know. So I'm actually going to play a little bit of Finland. It's just a, uh, you know, a dart throw at 30 to one. Uh, it's just an automatic thing for me with, when you see a number that high to win a group. Uh, but, but BJ, what, how do you think this thing will actually shake out? And, and, and with more, more analysis than the number is good enough at 30 to one on Finland. Uh, tell us, tell us how to actually bet it. I think Belgium's actually really vulnerable in this group. I mean, the conversation around Belgium, if you want to go back to the 2014 world cup, it's always there, you know, they have the most talent in the tournament and can they put it together? But I think that conversation is starting to kind of go away when it comes to, you know, their team. Because if you really look at their roster now, some of their best players from, you know, back, back in 2014 and then on are starting to get kind of old. You know, if you look at Eden Hazard, he had a horrible season at Real Madrid, although he was injured for most of those. But he only scored four goals in 14 appearances and really just didn't do much when he was on the field. You know, they're going to be relying on in the midfield with, you know, Kevin De Bruyne's going to be out for the first match against Russia which makes them very vulnerable with that match being played in St. Petersburg. And you look at their defense, you know, it's, it's aging with, you know, Alderweireld and Vertonghen and Vermeulen who are all in their thirties. And, you know, they might be relying on Jason Denier from, you know, Olympic Lyon, but I mean, it's a, it's a questionable defense that Denmark and Russia, frankly, could, would be able to break down. And if you want to talk about travel in this as well, you know, they're going to be playing in St. Petersburg against Russia. Then they're going to have to travel back to Copenhagen to play Denmark and then back to St. Petersburg. 
to play Finland. That's over, you know, that's a thousand miles, you know, each way or, you know, 2000 miles each way. So, you know, and I think, you know, throughout Euro qualifying, they were honestly just incredibly impressive because, you know, they scored 40 goals and only allowed three, but do we, we, you know, I think we forget that was two years ago and these guys have kind of aged a little bit over the years. So um, I'm actually going to be fading Belgium in this one. I mean, you kind of see in the odds that they are kind of vulnerable because, you know, they have the lowest odds besides the group of death, you know, as far as the favorites are concerned. And I really do love this Denmark team. I'm not going to be betting them to win the tournament because I think the value on them is gone. You know, when they opened to 81 now down to 25, I think that, you know, that value is gone, but you know, throughout Euro and World Cup qualifying, they they averaged 2.3 expected goals per match and only allowed 0.75. They're going to need to play every single match in Copenhagen. They have so much talent, you know, from defense to midfield to attack. You know, they got Kasper Schmeichel, Andreas Christensen, Christian Eriksen, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. These are guys who are all playing, you know, at the top clubs, you know, in, in England. And then up top, you know, they have some young strikers with Yusuf Polson and Kasper Dolberg. And then experience with, you know, Martin Brathwaite, who's a backup striker at, you know, Barcelona. So, uh, again, and the reason why they went from 80 to one to 25 to one is because they just destroyed the three teams they played in World Cup qualifying in late March. They beat Israel, Moldova, and Austria by a combined score of 14 to nothing. And I think that just triggered the books saying, okay, yep, this team is really good. We need to move them and uh, get them up to 25 to one. So I've played Denmark to win this group at plus 260. You know, they're going to be because I do think it's important that they're playing all their matches uh, at home and that travel for Belgium. And I think they honestly have just as much talent as Belgium if De Bruyne is not going to be in the in the game. So plus 250 or better is good for Denmark to win this group. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be all over Denmark on this one. And, and you're not just saying that because the Action Network was acquired by a, a Danish company either. We're, we're not, we're not uh, forced to say that. You actually like Denmark. And guess what? A lot of other people do, right? They're, this, is a, a, this is the quote unquote like, trendy chic sleeper before the tournament there's always one at least one and this year it's the danes anthony do you think belgium is as lukewarm as bj does probably one of the few people who uh, isn't high on belgium too uh i've been watching uh, toby alderweireld and jan vertongen try to defend at tottenham uh vertongen left last year but alderweireld was there this year and it was really a disaster uh, anytime anytime a team had pace they kind of ripped apart uh, the defense. And that was a big issue, especially on the break. And I, I look at this Denmark team and I'm probably like, I was, I was, a, I was on Denmark early and, and I liked them. And the more I've taken a look at kind of the minutes that they've logged uh, between Christian Eriksen and Pierre Emma Hoybier for their respective clubs this year, the more I'm starting to maybe be a little bit sour on them. I just don't know what they have left in the tank because they had, they played so many minutes at, at Tottenham and Inter and Hoybier especially started to break down at the end of the season. He looked like he was dead on his feet. There's a lot of reasons to like this team, their defense specifically, Andreas Christensen, uh, the Chelsea center back and Yannick Vestegaard and uh, Jakob Anderson and Simon Kjar, uh, four good center backs, which most teams don't have Belgium doesn't have Belgium probably has one good center back. And I don't think Martinez is going to start him and that's Jason denier. So, I think there's a case to be made for Denmark. I didn't take it uh, at plus 260 because I'm concerned about how they're going to score goals. Uh, Polson is okay, but I'm not totally sold on him or Dolberg. So for me, nothing on Denmark. Uh, when we look at the bottom of the group, I really want to watch uh, Russia's first game and then decide what we're going to do after. I'm curious to see their run, run, running numbers. Uh in 2018, there was a big a big scandal involving potential doping. People were looking at the numbers and saying, how in the world did they run this much uh, on their home turf? Uh, they're going to be home again for a few of the, two of the matches, uh, but I will be looking at that. 
They have some really fun attacking pieces. Alexi Moranchik from Atalanta, Alexander Golovin from Monaco, and then the, the big man, Artem Zuba uh, from Zenit. He's, he's the tall man, and he's going to be tough on set pieces. But I think uh, this group is, is pretty much – there's a clear top two. I think there's a clear third. Uh, Denmark and Belgium could go either way. And Finland, you know, I like Timu Puki, but Finland is not um, experienced enough at the back. And this is their first major international tournament too, I believe. So tough, tough run for them. Yeah, I got one note here on Russia and it's a, it's a player future. I just want to back up Anthony's point. Uh, Alexander Golovin, like he said, he had nine assists in 21 appearances this season for Monaco and had a 0.5 expected assist rate, which is actually better than Kevin De Bruyne had in the Premier League. So he's a hundred to one to lead this tournament in assists and to lead this Euros and assists, you really only need dating back. You really only need four, three or four of them. And he's going to be obviously playing a ton of high scoring games because Rush is a, a big time over team. So I love, you know, that's one of my player features that I love is, you know, him to lead the tournament hundred to one. I think there's great value on that. Cause you know, it, when they, you know, play Finland or whoever, he could put up some big numbers there. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think that's a good point, right? When you, when you are betting top goal scores or top, most assists, whatever, you don't really need somebody to, to score 10 goals, right? You need last, last time around, it was uh, Griezmann with six goals. So you need one or two big games from someone. So keep that in mind. Uh, it seems like the favorites usually do come out on top of those things, but uh, it's definitely wide, you know, much more wide open than, than people realize. And it's not really also about going far, right? It's about, like I said, one big game, two big games. And when you're playing Finland and you're playing two teams like, yeah, or playing another team like Belgium that, that will push the pace, there's definitely that potential. I just want to note Belgium nine to one to not advance from the group stage and 20 to one to finish last uh, in group B. If, if we're all lukewarm on them, maybe that's a, maybe that's a grouper for, for the three of us to, to get down on, on to group C. Um, this one also kind of seems pretty straightforward on the surface, right? Uh, Netherlands at minus two Oh five prohibitive favorites. Austria coming back at plus 450 as the second favorite. Right behind them is the Ukraine plus 475. And then, of course, North Macedonia, 40 to 1. And, and like I was saying before, um, that number is just high enough for me to get involved automatically. There is always one team that's going to surprise to win a group. So if you do play small bets on these big numbers, there's a pretty good chance that you will um, – I should say pretty good chance, but there is a chance that you walk away with, with a nice hit. Uh, so I think 40 to one on a team that will, will definitely captivate the hearts of all the neutrals out there. Uh, this, this team is uh, first, first major tournament. They're only, they only became a country in the uh, what 1992 in that whole Yugoslavia civil war is a uh, situation that I, I actually referenced before, along with a bunch of other Balkan countries. These uh it's a fun team. There's a couple of interesting players. Alioski from Leeds United uh, is one of them. Uh, but I mean, it seems like the Netherlands who maybe are like a, yeah, sure. They're big favorite in the group stage. But after that, I think people are pretty, uh, you know, wishy-washy on how far they'll actually get through. Uh, they're, they should walk through this group. Uh, Anthony, what do you think? Yeah, the Netherlands are, are another fade team for me. I really don't like them, but they got put in this group where it's the worst group by far. Uh, you look at it, Ukraine, Austria, North Macedonia. It's hard to make a case for any of those teams being better than the Netherlands, but it is it is three games, so anything can happen. The thing for me with the Netherlands is that I'm not sure what the fitness situation is anymore. Frank, uh, Frankie de Jong has, has a, picked up a knock. He wasn't in training uh, last week, and... 
Uh, Matias de Litt might have an issue. Virgil van Dijk is already out for the Euros. Uh, and so they all of a sudden, like this young spine that we really all love of de Jong, de Litt, uh, and van de Beek, who was also, I, I believe it was van de Beek who was out as well. So there's question marks a lot about who's healthy and who's not. Uh, and all of that makes me a little bit sour on the Dutch uh, as a team going forward. Now, that being said, I do think they win this group. I'm certainly not going to lay the number uh, because I think that uh, Austria is a little underrated coming in again. I'm going to get back on the Austria train. I, Michael mentioned it earlier. I was on the Austria train four years or five years ago. Uh, did not work. Uh, but uh, Austria has some some interesting pieces that I, I kind of like uh, in in. The midfield with Sabitzer and Leimer and Schlager, that's the big three Bundesliga midfield. Uh, you know, as a big Bundesliga fan, I enjoy watching uh, them. And and the thing about, you know, at least Sabitzer and Leimer is that Nagelsmann does a better job than most of rotating his players. So I'm not as worried about fatigue with those group, with that group. Uh, Schlager had a really good year at Wolfsburg. They're going uh, into the Champions League next year. So really interesting there. And uh so I, I think there's there's some real potential for the Austrians. I took them to finish second. Uh, minus 110 or better is good for me there. I think they're much better than Ukraine, which BJ I think has more on than I do. Uh, but the U- Ukraine is not uh, very good defensively. So concerned about them. Uh, and so that's my play. And then I like Memphis Depay, Golden Boot. Uh, the thing about you know the Golden Boot is that you can tend to uh, get by with a good group stage. That's how Harry Kane won it in 2018 at the World Cup. Uh, Griezmann really did well in the knockouts. But for the most part, if you get, you know, four games, uh, three games in the group stage against North Macedonia, Ukraine, and Austria, and then you get one good game in the knockouts and you might have enough goals to do it. And Depay is coming off his best season. He's at 27 years old. He just bagged 20 goals and 12 assists in the French league. So I'm really high on Depay. I got him at uh, 15 to one. I believe there's some 14 to ones out there. I like that too. Uh, the entire attack runs through him. So there's a lot of reason to like him uh, for this Dutch team going forward. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we have a couple guys, obviously we'll be covering uh, every match for Euro 2020 on the action network. And you'll also see our, our favorite bets for uh, the tournament from few, uh, our outright bet, long shot, golden ball. And we have a couple guys uh, who, who like, to pie there and like the value on him to, to, to win the golden boot. And, and like you said, the group, the group that they're in has a lot uh, to do with it. I do want to mention Austria and Ukraine are both hundred to one to win the tournament. And I think that BJ might, might think that one of them is maybe worth a sprinkle. Maybe not. Let's see. Yeah. I think Austria is worth a sprinkle. I think, um, you know, obviously everybody was on them in the 2016 euros and they had a dud, but I mean, like Anthony said, this is a really solid team through the midfield. And then, you know, also an attack, they have a, a 23-year-old by the name of uh, Kasa. I'm going to totally butcher this last name. I apologize in advance. Uh, Kaladizic, that was bad. Wow. Um, but, uh, you know, he had 16 goals for uh, VFB uh, Stuttgart this season, and he had a .47 expected goal per 90 scoring rate. So, you know, if you're looking for a long shot, I think he's, you know, somewhere around 80 to 1 to, you know, lead the tournament assists, you know, playing two bad defenses like Ukraine, North Macedonia. He might have a shot for that. But, yeah, I think Austria is definitely worth a sprinkle. I mean, they were in a pretty easy Euro qualifying group with uh, with Poland and, you know, uh, not very many other uh, solid teams, but they still put average, you know, 2.57 expecting goals per match and, you know, allowed under one. So, um, and I think people are kind of off them because their last time they were out, they lost a world cup qualifying match at home for nothing to Denmark. Um, but the expected goals margin was actually pretty close in that one. So it was kind of a little bit of a misleading scoreline. And yeah, like Anthony said, I think this is just a solid team from top to bottom and, you know, 
with it being an easy group, you know, if you finish second in group B, you know, you're going to get put first place in group A, which would be Italy, which we've already talked about is very vulnerable. So, um, yeah, I think they have a pretty good path here to at least get to the, uh, semifinals or even the quarters. So yeah, I do like Austria at a uh, hundred to one as far as the Ukraine con- is concerned. Yeah. I I'm not, I think that, uh, they're vastly overrated. Um, they did win their qualifying group with, you know, Portugal, but they only had a plus 0.9 expected goal differential. Um, you know, if you look at their roster, 70% of their guys play for either Dynamo Kiev or, or Shakhtar in the Ukrainian Premier League, which, it, you know, isn't really, you know, it's, it's not a, a knock on them because they're in the, they were in the Champions League last season. But, you know, when you're not playing in the, one of the top five leagues against the best competition week in and week out, you know, it is kind of a knock. You know, Ukrainian, the Ukrainian Premier League is 12th uh, most difficult by UEFA coefficients. But there is one guy in the Ukraine that I really love. And it's to lead the tournament in assists. And his name is Ruslan Malinovsky. He's an attacking midfielder for Atalanta in Italy's Serie A. He led the Italian first flight in assists this season with 12. And he had a 0.49 expected uh, assist rate, which is the exact same assist rate as Kevin De Bruyne in the Premier League. And Kevin De Bruyne is the favorite to lead the tournament in assists. And he's, I think, 80 to 1 right now to lead the tournament in assists. So, and they're going to have a match against North Macedonia. And if they finish third, they could definitely get out of this group and at least play four matches. And like I said before, all you need is four, three or four assists to lead the tournament at 80 to one for a guy who has, you know, as talented and creative as he is. And basically, you know, as a catalyst to their entire attack, I love that value at 80 to one. But again, I don't really like Ukraine, you know, to get far in this tournament, but you know, like you said, you only need, you only need one uh, or two big games to actually win that. So yeah, Malinovsky 80 to one to lead the tournament in assists. I think that that also is a good, um, you know, betting one-on-one thing, right? It's like in, when, when you, when you play tournaments like this, whether it's uh, you know, even like something like the playoffs or when, when you're betting like playoff MVPs is one way to just have exposure on a team that maybe you don't like is, is to back someone on a, on a, on a prop like that. And then, and then guess what? Like all of a sudden, you're sort of rooting for that team because the more games they play, the more, and uh, the more, the better chance you have. And you're also not too fussed if they lose, because all you need is, is that one guy to have a big thing that brings us to group D, which is uh, probably, I would say uh, one of, I guess, you know, cause, cause of who's in it uh, the most dr- dramatic group of the tournament. Although there's, you know, of course the group of death is, is the group of death, but this one, because of, of who is in it, because of where they are, their expectations are so high. Group D is England minus two forty-five, Croatia plus three fifty, the Czech Republic's twelve to Czech Republic at twelve to one, and Scotland at nineteen to one. And that begs the question: BJ, is it coming home? It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming. It could. It could be coming home. Listen, I mean, I think in this, I don't think in this tournament, you can make the argument, I think England might have the most talent of any team in this entire tournament. The question mark now is, you know, can they get it done? Because the tournament sets up perfectly for them. They're going to play all three group stage matches in London. And then the round of 16 match, if they win group D, which they should, they're going to play that match in London. Then their quarterfinal would be in Rome, but then semis and and the final would also be in London. Um, But the problem for England is their path. Once they get to the knockout stage is really, really difficult because if they win Group D, they're going to have to play the second place team in Group F, which is you know either going to be France, Portugal, or Germany, and then they're probably going to have to play Spain in the next round, and then they'll probably you know either face off against the Netherlands or whoever comes out of that side. So, 
you know, it's a really, really difficult draw once they get to the, you know, the knockout stage. But I mean, their attack is just so frightening, you know, obviously with Harry Kane, Phil Foden, uh, Jaden Sancho, Jack Grealish, like there's just so many guys that are just put the fear of God into opposing defenses. And uh, as far as, you know, winning group D, yeah, they should definitely get out of group D uh, without any problems. But I do think they're here in group D. I think there is some value here for that second place spot. And it's a team I think we all really love right now. And it's uh, the Czech Republic. Um, they are my, my favorite long shot to win the tournament at 150 to one. If you're looking for that Greece kind of, you know, Cinderella type story, I think the Czech Republic is really your team because um, they have a really solid roster top to bottom. And over their last nine world and Euro, Euro qualifying matches, they won the expected goals battle in every single match. And in that included was a 2-1 win over England and Prague and a 1-1 draw with Belgium. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's a really good roster from top to bottom. You know, they have some guys like Thomas Soyshek who plays for uh, West Ham, Patrick Schick who plays striker for, Leverkusen, um, and they have a young guy who people I think might want to look out for, Adam uh, Halozik, who's 18 years old, playing for Sparta Prague. He had uh, 15 goals and eight assists and only 19 appearances in the Czech First Division this season. So um, I've taken some Czech Republic, 150 to one to win, uh, plus 380 to make the quarters. Uh, yeah, I, I really love Czech Republic here, and I also think Croatia. Um, I think Croatia is fairly priced. Um, I, it's just the problem with Croatia is that their their main guys are getting older. You know, Luka Modric's 35, Persisic's 32, Lovren is on the wrong side of 30. Um, you know, and they're still really a good team, but I just, I really don't like their price at 40 to one. And I think they're just, to, to finish second in this group, I, I just think there's a lot of value on the Czech Republic, who I actually have projected as a pretty even team to Croatia. Um, yeah, so... For me, England should breeze through this group. I don't really like their value to win the tournament overall. I, I think the Czech Republic uh, should be able or could be able to finish second here. So, um, yeah, for me, it's Czech Republic 150 to one and 380 to to get to the uh, quarterfinals. I think one thing to keep in mind with England, right, is they they play Croatia right off the jump, which is going to be a tough match. And if they do stumble, whether that's a draw or maybe even don't look great in a win or whatever the media pressure is going to be insane on this team. Like this is uh, the three lines. The English national team is covered in the same way as like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys or Toronto Maple Leafs or New York Yankees. They are, they have a, just a gigantic media presence following them around, not just during these tournaments, right? Like all you read about, all you hear about, you know, every week when you're listening to premier league podcasts or whatever is guys talking about, Oh, is he going to be in the England squad? Whatever. It could be 18 months before a tournament and, they'll, and people will be talking about it. So one small stumble from England and, and who knows, it could all, it could all go to shit pretty quickly for this team. Um, Anthony, what, what do you think? Like I, I have a, I have a hard time uh, backing, Scotland at all in this tournament. I think people maybe I'm probably for fun bet when they play England, uh, just because it'll be hilarious if they can pull the upset in that one. But uh, outside of yeah, like BJ, I love the Czechs. I think it's hilarious. Like, I don't know for a little while they were known as Czechia. The country was Czechia. Now everyone's listening, listing them as Czech Republic. I think they're back to being the Czech Republic. Who knows? Uh, but they also are no strangers to uh, Euro glory, right? They finished, I believe, second in, in 1996 to Germany in a, a tournament where actually one of their players booked their wedding in the middle of the tournament because he expected to be bounced in the group stage. And 
you know, that's, those are the kind of stories you get in these tournaments, right? Like you get some, some crazy stuff, which is why I'm saying, look, 12 to one on, on Czech Republic to win the group is, is probably uh, in range, I think. And, and like BJ said, I, I think anything over hundred, 125 to one on them to, to win the tournament is, is pretty fun. Um, Anthony, what do you think? I have a really hard time getting behind the Czech Republic. I know everybody loves Sochek. Uh, you know, he's Czech Fellaini. Uh, he had a great year uh, for West Ham United, but I just don't really see the defense here and I can't back a team that I don't trust the center backs. And, and that's, that's it for me in terms of trying to get Czech Republic futures down. Uh, so I am passing on the Czechs. I also don't really know about the goal scoring. I know Schick is decent, but Schick has always been good when he's had uh, he's more of a target man with runners who can, who can run behind him. And that was the case at Leipzig uh, when he was on loan there briefly. And that was the case at Leverkusen with Diaby and, and, uh, and Bailey this year he, uh, with this Czech team, there's just nobody who's really kind of, you know, has the pace to really trouble an England or a Croatian back line where I think they could be vulnerable. I really think England rolls here. Uh, I think uh, there, there could be potential value in taking England to win all three games uh, as a long shot. I don't really trust the Croatian defense to deal with the pace of England. Uh, England was really controlling that game in the World Cup semifinal two years ago, three years ago. And that was uh, England, you know, guys were pre-peak. Now they're mostly at or before peak. Guys like Sancho, Sterling, uh, you know, Grealish in the midfield and, and Kane. That 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 front four is a lot of fun, depending on who... Southgate decides to start uh, and he has the ability to rotate as well. So I think they could really uh, impress. I think they roll through the group, but like BJ said, not taking any futures on them because I'm concerned about the path. Should they get through? I think they would probably face a Portugal, Germany or France in the first game. And then Spain, that's just way too hard, uh, especially at the current odds with them being the second betting favorite. That's a little ridiculous to me when you look at the group. Uh, so for me, uh, no bets in this in this group. It's kind of the the interesting group. I'm I'm most excited besides the group of death to watch this group, but I don't really trust anyone's defense enough. Croatia, uh, like I mentioned, uh, the center backs are aging. They don't have any depth at the fullback position. Uh, Simi Versalco is going to be the right the 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 right back again. He he wasn't really playing much this year for Atletico Madrid. Uh, Dejan Lovren wrong side of thirty. Uh, Vita wrong side of thirty. So they have a lot of guys who I'm really not too sure about in the, the, the defense. And then you get to the midfield. And of course that's their strength. Mario Pasolic could be one to watch. He's an Atalanta guy. Uh, Kovacic has been injured most of the season. Brozovic had a great year at Inter. We'll see with Modric. So I'm not totally sold on the Croats either because of their defense. Uh, so for me, it's a lot of teams I'm really looking to stay away from. Uh, and I can't back England because of the group. The one bet I do, I do like that is uh, tangential to England. It's I like, Phil Foden at eighty to one to to win Golden Boot. Uh, I know everyone's going to be on on Kane. Is he going to Is he going to start? We don't know, but if he even starts, <laughs> one, that the, the the great thing about it, right, is is with this with this team, um, like you said, Southgate has the ability to rotate. So let's say England has a has a good first game against Croatia, maybe they roll their second game. Then all of a sudden, you know, Phil Foden's playing in uh, like, hey, get some playing time in against uh, their their last game, which I think is against the Czech Republic or whoever it is, Scotland. I think it's Czechs. So. He has a potential for a big game in whether he's playing Scotland or or the Czech Republic. Plus, he's going to be someone off the bench if they need goals, whatever. And as we've said, you only need a couple goals. So even if he doesn't start the first game, let's say that game doesn't go well, I think there's a he's there's a place for him. He's a he he was a machine for for Man City when he was on it. Uh, I just think like people are 
so infatuated with Kane's goal scoring, they forget that he also had 14 assists. So running, getting in behind him is a, is, is gives Foden a viable path to, to scoring goals. The one thing for me is I always want to have, a, if I'm going to take golden boot futures, I always want to have a guy who's going to be on pens just because Kane literally won the golden boot uh, at the world cup because he took a, a couple of pens and had a couple of tap-ins. So um, you know, guys like, you know, the one thing you always want to know is who's on pens for any team uh, that you want to back. Uh, like, you know, I saw some people throwing around like Bruno Fernandes, but like, he's not going to be on pens over Cristiano Ronaldo for Portugal. So you have to kind of consider that kind of thing when you're looking at golden boot futures. Yeah. But, it, and, and the one other thing I'll note about Kane, he might be on pens. He's a great player, but he's also been battling injury all season. BJ, what do you think? Phil Foden did dye his hair blonde today. Does that change your mind? That makes me more confident, actually. Like if you're if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna go with like the like the early '90s like frost frosted tips, that means you're very confident in what you're doing. Because if if it all goes uh, goes south for him, then he will just be made fun of for doing that. Um, and if I still had hair, I think I think I would be going with a uh, with with some frosted tips at least for the summer. Oh, that's he's BJ, got, BJ he's is showing us a picture, and uh, I am now out. Bad radio. Phil Foden. Uh, I think he, I think he should be benched um, for the entire tournament. That's the kind of confidence I want to see. Yeah, he's he's going with the gas. I just don't think he's. I don't. I just don't think he's going to start enough. I mean, Grealish looks healthy from the reports out of training. Sancho, Sterling, Rashford, um, Mount. There's just like so much attacking talent for England. It's like kind of fun. I don't think it's like conducive to winning a major tournament because like I have questions about their defense and are they going to really play Declan Rice as like a single pivot? Uh, Like that doesn't really necessarily work for me either. So I have questions about England defensively. But like you look at the attacking talent, and it's it's exciting. Yeah, it is. in this group, and that's I mean, there's a reason he's eighty to one, right? Like you just listed off all the reasons why he is that long. <laughs> he's he's not. Uh, he's he's. He, there's so much talent here. There's there's obviously. Uh, he's not expected to win Golden Boot, but I think at uh, at that number, if he has, you know, I could see Phil Foden having a hat trick or something against Scotland or the Czech Republic, and uh, just at that point, Southgate's got to play him right. One big game, and the the press will be all over him. Be like, well. Obviously, you can't drop him for, for Raheem Sterling after he had three goals. So anyway, w- moving on. That was that was some some really nice Phil Foden blonde hair talk. But let's go to Group B, which probably features two of the most handsome teams in the tournament, right? Spain, minus 286 prohibitive favorites. Sweden, the other beautiful team, plus 650. Poland, 7-1. Slovakia, 17-1. Another probably straightforward group. Um, but it does feel like a like a changing of the guard team for Spain, at least uh, we, we kind of saw it a little bit in Russia 20, 2018. Um, but I think, you know, this point, like you're, you're not seeing the guys that we're used to, like Sergio Ramos isn't in the squad anymore, which is crazy um, to think. I mean, João Montinho is still playing for Portugal, but Ramos and Pepe, but Ramos isn't playing for, uh, for Spain. So it, it is, it does feel like we're, we're into a new era for La Roja. Um, Anthony, like, I, I don't I, this group probably of all the all the groups is the one that excites me the least from a betting perspective um, because I think it is you know it's Spain should I mean minus two eighty six one of the biggest favorites to win the group stage Sweden and Poland like they're not they're they're I, they have some decent strikers but and some some good players in the back but what I don't I don't find them to be that appealing to go for far in the tournament so uh, I'm basically off this group what about you. I really like the Swedes. Uh, I'm rolling with them. Top two, minus 105. Uh, I love that bet. 
Uh, I think they're much better than Poland. I think uh, they're probably not going to beat Spain, but I'm not really sure what to expect from Spain. I don't, I don't like backing teams where I can't look at the roster and then reasonably say, I know what the manager is going to play as like a reasonable, not at least nine of the 10 guys uh, of the 11. Like I can be like, Oh yeah, like that's going to be their team. Uh, and, and Spain and Germany are the two teams for me that like, I don't know what the manager are going to do. You can generally put it together. Uh, I know BJ loves Alvaro Morata. I can get behind that. Um, I think he's going to be on pens. I don't know. Um, so that could be a potential golden boot thing. Uh, but for me, I love the, I love the Swedes because I love, I think, uh, you know, I mentioned Braille Embolo, my other breakout guy, Alexander Isak from Sociedad, which BJ is now, uh, is now celebrating. I think he's a lot of fun. He's a great player, had a great year for Sociedad. He's 21 years old. Um, Tom Warville of the athletic did a great job. He did a breakdown on him and, and why he's, uh, excellent. Uh, he he's awesome. And, uh, I think they have a decent center back pairing too. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic about, about the Swedes in general, Victor Lindelof from Manchester United. Some of the names you might know, uh, you probably will know ML Kraft who plays at Newcastle. Um, ML Forsberg who didn't have a great year at Leipzig kind of out of favor right now with, Nagelsmann, but he's in there. And then Dayan Kulisevsky, who is another young one to watch. They have so much young attacking talent that I really want to get behind the Swedes. I think if there's going to be a big upset, I'll probably be on Sweden money line against the Spaniards, even if I don't think they're going to win the group. Yeah, I mean, and, and so Alexander Isak, 100 to 1 to win Golden Boot. That's probably a little crazy, but maybe want to get behind 20 to 1 to be named young player of the tournament. Uh, as well. So definitely just, just a player to, if you are into getting into soccer, you love soccer, definitely want to get to know because uh, he's probably on his way up through the ranks after a really big season in, in La Liga. Uh, BJ, you, you are the most Swedish looking of, of us. Uh, what do you think? Oh, it's just because of my pale skin. Um, yes. Alexander Ishak every way I possibly can. I've got him hundred to one to win the golden boot three to one to lead the Swedes in goals and minus 182 to have more goals than Marcus Berg. Just every possible way. I, I love Alexander Ishak. I don't even think Sweden, honestly, I mean, they'd love to have Zlatan here, but I don't really think they need him, honestly, because I think Ishak is that good. And he is a young player to watch. Uh, as far as this group is concerned, I more and more I look at it, I love the Spaniards. And I'm starting to like them more at 9-1 to one to win the entire tournament. Um, coming into this, they actually had the best offense of any team when you look at expected goals. They averaged 3.36 expected goals per match over Euro and World Cup qualifying and only allowed 0.8. And, you know, when you look at the Spanish roster, I don't think we really see the the big name guy, you know, that most, you know, other teams have. But it's just honestly, it's a really, really solid roster of just really good players like Rodri from Manchester City, uh, Tiago from Liverpool, Sergio Busquets, Pedri, who uh, I'm big on and love to have be the young player of the tournament who plays for Barcelona. Uh, their defense is solid with a mixture of youth and experience, you know, as for the Quetta and Alba on the outside and looks going to look like it's going to be Laporte and Garcia on the inside. And then going forward in attack, you know, I love Alvaro Morata to uh, lead the tournament in goals because I do think he is going to be the main man up front just because it's a mixture of he can, you know, play in the air and on the ground and everything. And I don't think they're going to play Jared Moreno that much. Uh, you know, he was kind of in Cristiano Ronaldo's shadow this season at Juventus, but he still still scored 20 goals and had a 0.5 expected goal per 90-minute scoring rate. And, you know, if you're telling me I get the main striker on the the top offense coming to the tournament in a fairly easy group with three not-so-great defenses, I think he's 25-1 to 1 right now on BetMGM to uh, be the golden boot. I, 
I love that value because he could honestly win that in the group, you know, and if, like Anthony said, if he's the, if he's the penalty taker, you know, that's another, uh, uh, feather in his cap. So, um, I love the Spaniards here. I don't, not going to be betting them to, to win the group. I'm starting to like them more and more, uh, at nine to one as an outright price. Um, I'm with Anthony also on Sweden. I love them to finish second as well. Um, I think there's just so much talent, like he said, an attack. And as far as Poland is concerned, you know, every year it's basically just, it's Lewandowski and nothing. Right. And I think we look at their roster more and more. You're, you're like, okay, yeah, it's kind of the same thing this year. Um, but there is one guy on Poland that, again, I'd like to throw out there to lead the tournament in assists. And his name is Peter Zielinski. He's an attacking midfielder for Napoli. And if Lewandowski is going to score a bunch of goals and maybe lead the tournament in goals, he's going to be the one supplying him. So if you, know, if you only need three or four and you know, they put up big numbers against uh, Slovakia, who's coming in is like one of the worst defenses in the tournament, you know, that could happen at 80 to one. And I also want to just mention Slovakia because I do think that they're the worst team in this entire tournament. If you look at their roster, they have basically two guys, um, a screener from Inter Milan and uh, Duvernik, uh, who's the goalkeeper for Newcastle. Uh, I'm, I've, I have a bet on them uh, at plus 750 to be the lowest scoring team in the entire tournament. Um, they only averaged 1.19 expected goals per match in a fairly easy uh, qualifying group with, you know, um, I believe they're with Wales and Croatia and uh, Hungary. And they just have, honestly, they just have nobody up front. I mean, when you look at their roster, I think they're going to be relying on guys who played in the Slovak Super League and, you know, the Spanish Second Division, Cyprus First Division. You know, it's just, it's a really, really bad attack that I don't think, I don't know how they're going to score honestly, in these three matches, even though these defenses aren't that great. So, yeah, for me, I'm all over Slovakia to finish last. I think anything, you know, minus uh, 200 or better is good there. Um, and, yeah, I have them also plus 750 to be the lowest scoring. With Anthony, Sweden's second place. And you know what? Give me give me Spain 9-1. to one. I think they – I think <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about it more, and I'm like, yes, you know what? Let's do it. Spain 9-1. to Because they actually have a pretty good path, too. I mean, they'll get a – they'll probably have to face England in the second round, but it won't be in London. So um, – and they have a great shot at beating England, especially in a neutral site. Yeah, I think Spain's interesting. Uh, you mentioned kind of like what we're expecting for their lineup. You know, they played a Poland – they played Portugal, excuse me, uh, last week, and they started Pau Torres at center back, who I would prefer them to start over Eric Garcia if I were a Spain backer. Eric Garcia had a couple of showings for City this year that were, were downright shocking. Um, I believe he played in the uh, – when they got beat – I forget who was. I know he was in the one Chelsea game. He played another game where they lost. Uh, so tough, tough go for him. I would not want to see him there if I were a Spain backer. Also, Marcos Llorente, who like is a midfielder, but Spain plays as a right back. And like he kind of played some right back for Atleti when Trippier was out. Uh, so he's interesting. And, and it's hard to not love the midfield with Rodri, Busquets potentially still around, and Tiago. So I'm, I'm willing to, uh, to be waiting and watching on Spain. Uh, potentially I'll be, I'll be looking to take some Spain spread uh, when they play against Slovakia. Cause that's a situation where they might run up the goals. Uh, so for me, I like Spain too. I'm just not, not willing to go and, and take that number at nine to one uh, and Ferran Torres. We didn't mention him, but underrated year for city kind of got put out of favor because he played in the best team in the world, but, but he's a really good young player too. Uh, another one to watch. Well, Eric Garcia also just moved to Barcelona and he has a $400 million release clause. So he must be pretty good, right? He should be, but <laughs> I didn't see him that way this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ferran Torres, 35 to one uh, to be uh, 
the top goal scorer in the tournament, which I guess we should have mentioned. That's what the golden boot is. I don't know if, if we did say that at the top. You might you might be listening to this and being like, what, I don't know what the golden boot is. That's what that is. You know, Lewandowski, I think, as BJ said, with Poland, he's 25 to 1 to win golden boot. And I think with every tournament when he's in it, like people just bet that number because they think like, oh, this guy is, is such a prolific goal scorer for Bayern. But he just doesn't have anything behind him to get him the ball uh, enough to, and then and they just probably won't go far enough. Like you talked, we talked about, you need one big game. Like, you know, maybe he has one against Slovakia, but uh, against, you know, Spain. The, Sweden is a little, little, little hard. The thing with Lewandowski for me is, and, and he's, he's, I would argue the best striker in the world, uh, but like, he doesn't do anything else as a, as a forward. Like he's not a guy who's going to bring the ball to the penalty area. He's not a guy who's going to like pass the ball to others into the penalty area. He doesn't really do any defensive work. He's just like an amazing at getting on the end of chances. But when you have no one behind you in Poland, you know, besides Peter Zielinski, uh, you know, it's really hard to, you know, manufacture some chances. Whereas guys like a Memphis Depay or even an Alexander Isak are much better at, you know, bringing the ball to the penalty area and then scoring. Whereas at Bayern, Lewandowski just has like Coman, Kimmich, uh, and Gnabry do that, and then he just kicks it in. Yeah, I think we're 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 basically saying like you know, look if, if you save Pol- your money. Yeah, if you're Polish and you and you want to root for them, whatever. We're not here to judge if you want to bet Robert Lewandowski to win twenty five to one, but um, if you're just going to bet him because you know who he is and and because you know how good he is at at scoring goals for a great team, you might want to you might want to take that money and put it elsewhere uh, in in that market. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. That brings us to the group of death. Um, group F, I mean, I think this might be the most, you know, robust group I've seen in an international tournament maybe ever. Uh, because this thing is, it, it, it's hard to, it's hard to like wrap your head around when you see the, the group we just talked about where Spain's at the top with Sweden and Poland and Slovakia behind them. And then you go, you scroll one, one more, click down on the odds board. And there you go. You see France plus 148. To, as the favorites, Germany plus 165, Portugal three to one. And of course, Hungary, who, as I mentioned before, Hungary won their group, which had Portugal in it in the last Euros. They had a, a goalie who was like, and 40, Iceland. 
and Iceland, yeah, who were, you know, very good coming into it. We're another sleep, trendy sleeper pick, um, beat England in a knockout game. Like this, they had a good group that they ended up topping. Uh, and their goalie was what, 40 years old and wearing sweatpants in, in, in goal people. He became Raleigh. a cult hero. Yep. He became a cult hero at the tournament. He now sells, I think, sweatpants online. So you got to go check that out. Obviously, maybe we can get an affiliate link or great something. Pivot. What a great business pivot right there. Yeah. He just, he just started selling like his own kind of gear uh, because like I, it, it was, look, Hungary will we'll, we'll probably save like 40 to one in this group maybe isn't even, it should be like 70 to one. And then maybe I'd be interesting, but uh, they're, they're not, they're not, they don't really stand a chance, but they did captivate everybody with, with that goalkeeper in the last tournament. Um, so, you know, kudos to them and I'm happy that they're, <laughs> that they're, they're still around, but I mean, just horrible, horrible, horrible luck to be drawn into this group. BJ, um, I mean, try to make sense of this thing. It's it's really really tough. I I I think that uh, as as a as a trio, we're probably the lowest on Germany. Um, but I I mean, I don't know. It's just, this is this is brutal. Yeah, I like you said. This is just this is tough. You know, I would say you know I I, I just at the top. I you know I spoke about the France. You know, uh, you know to win it all. It it is really very important in this group to finish first because if you finish second. You're going to have to probably play England. If you finish third, you're at the mercy of being paired with one of the other group winners. So finishing first is going to be paramount in this group. I, I honestly, I hate all of the bets in this group. I, you know, you look at top two and, you know, uh, Portugal, Germany, and uh, France are all over minus 150. And I'm like, I, I would rather just, you know, either just save my money and go, you know, bet on other things throughout this tournament. At it's, that point, you bet on Hungary. That's when you say, like, take yeah. that money and you bet Hungary to win the group because, hey, now, who knows? Yeah, yeah. To to give you know Hungary a little bit of hope, they're going to be playing two of the three matches uh, in Budapest, so they got that. And also, um, Germany is going to get to play all three matches in Munich, so they have a little bit of a benefit there. I think the reason we're all kind of low on Germany is you know the last time they were out in World Cup qualifying, they they lost at home to North Macedonia, which was quite shocking. And, you know, you look at their team, there's, I mean, again, you can make the argument that they just have just as much talent as anybody in this tournament, especially in attack, you know, with Gnarby, Havertz, uh, Werner, Mueller, just like, there's just so much talent. And then in midfield with, you know, Goretzka and Kimmich, there's just, just everywhere. There's so much talent, but I think what really concerns me about Germany is their defense. I mean, they're pretty much going to be relying on Mats Hummels, who's, you know, getting up there in age. Nicholas Suli, who had a pretty good year for Bayern Munich. You know, Matthias Ginter and Anthony Rudiger, who was kind of a, you know, an afterthought at Chelsea for a little while this year. I just, I look at this group and I just can't see it. Because then I look at the Portuguese and like with Anthony, I'm like, yeah, they're really good and everything. But these are two incredibly difficult matches against France and Germany. They're going to have to play Germany in Munich. So, um, yeah, I honestly don't even really like any bets on this group. Like you said, maybe just take Hungary at like 50 to one and hope for the best Hungary. I will say, if you want to speak of goalkeepers, they have a little bit of hope because they have, um, RB Leipzig's goalkeeper, uh, uh, Peter Gulashi. Uh, that's how you pronounce his name. If I got yeah. that wrong, I apologize. Uh, but yeah, you look around, there's just really not much else on, on Hungary. Um, but yeah, for me, I think this entire group honestly is just kind of a stay away. Yeah. And, and I think that one, like, and I brought this up with Turkey, right? Like if they lose their, their opening match, there might be more value. And I think that's maybe the way to play it is if one of these big three teams loses their opening match, uh, you you can probably jump in at a bit better number to win the tournament or, or whatever. Um, 
Budapest, by the way, bucket list city for me. There's a river running through it. Yeah, half the city's Buda. The other half is Pest, and uh, definitely somewhere I, w- I would love to go. Um, Anthony, uh, you, I know we know you love Portugal. Uh, we, we, you, you bet them what nine to one, whatever it was, to win the tournament. Uh, do you think they actually will win this group, though? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, not sold on them winning this group necessarily. I think they may have to come through the second or the third place route, uh, like they did uh in 2016 uh budapest great city i would have been there if not for covid uh but sadly did not make it to budapest also on my bucket list that being said uh france france and portugal play in the last group stage game here and there's going to be a lot of game theory uh so that's going to be really one interesting betting angle to look at Uh, i know there's odds out most books have odds out for every group stage game at this point but you're going to want to wait on on the the last game that's like a general betting tip too because you have to look at uh, you may see some teams resting players. You may see some teams losing on purpose to try to get better draws. We saw that with England and Belgium in the 2018 World Cup where England threw the game to get a better draw. They got to the semifinal uh, because of that easier draw. So that's one interesting thing to watch here. For me, I love France. Uh, pick them, draw no bet against Germany in the first game. I don't care that it's in Munich. I think this France team with the pace they have can absolutely tear Germany apart. And I mentioned this with Spain, not knowing who their best 11 is. I don't know that Yogi Lowe, who's in his last management uh, tournament with Germany, knows who his best 11 is. They did just roll Latvia 7-1, to but we've seen them have some pretty embarrassing performances. They got beat by six against Spain in the Nations League earlier this year. They got beat uh, to North Macedonia, like BJ mentioned. For me, with the Germans... They're probably going to roll with Rudiger, who's been in form, and Hummels. Hummels hasn't played for the national team in many years. He had a falling out with Yogi. So did Thomas Muller, who's back in the team. But I don't know who their striker is going to be. I mean, it could be Werner, but everybody knows the team of Werner has been bad in front of goal this year. I don't, you know, I will tell you that will regress. Yogi Lowe might not see it that way. Uh, Havertz finished the season strong. There's just so many pieces that don't necessarily mesh together well. And I see them having a similar problem to Bayern actually, where when they started the Kimmich and Goretzka midfield, they were extremely open. They were extremely vulnerable uh, to the counterattack, especially during this COVID era where teams who press a lot haven't been as successful. Well, I think this German team is kind of set up to press, you know, having so many Bundesliga players and the way they want to play that they could be really vulnerable defensively. And if they're starting Rudiger and Sula or Rudiger and Hummels, I'm still not totally sold on this defense. They don't really have fullbacks. Uh, the right back situation is a big question mark. Left back is going to be Gosens, but he doesn't do a lot of defending. He's more of an attacking fullback. So I see Germany giving up a bunch of goals. Uh, and I see, uh, I took some plus 660 that Germany will not get out of the group stage. Two projection systems I look at have them at uh, an average. I took, I took the average 71% to not qualify plus 660. Pretty good odds then, uh, you know, given that they're at like 29% not to qualify. There's a world where they lose to for France and Portugal. And then all of a sudden they play Hungary the last game and they're just flat because they just got beat twice. There is one bet I think um, for Germany and that's Timo Werner to, to, to win the golden boot at 40 to one, just because like it would just be hilarious after the season he had at Chelsea where he just couldn't finish and he had so many chances and everyone was praising him for getting those chances but then couldn't score. I just think that would be interesting. And, um, you know, maybe a buy low spot. Cause I think if he had a better season, what, where would he be right? 12 to one, something like that. Uh, so I, I, I do, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to bet it, but 40 to one on, on Werner is interesting. Uh, I think Hungary will, will get a little bit of my money in, in, 
probably on a game by game basis, as well as maybe, you know, 50 to one to 40 to one, 50 to one to, to win the group, just because, like I said, these tournaments are just, they're insane. Like we, we just, they, as soon as they start, all hell kind of breaks loose, upsets happen, weird stuff happens. Um, and then at the end of the group stage, you're saying, you know, how did Hungary top a group with Portugal and, and Iceland and, uh, that stuff is not all that rare. I don't think I don't think we're going to be saying that. No, we probably won't. Forty, but forty to one. Just it's just a it's a fun number, and it's just one that I like. I said I have I have kind of like a credo in these in these tournaments where I bet um, anything that is you know tw- basically twenty to one or longer for any team to win a group because like I said, three games. Who the hell knows? Um, I mean that that wraps up the group stage. So we've we've mentioned a bunch of uh, you know player props that we like. I'm going to give you guys each like one minute to to kind of round up what your favorite player prop is whether it's golden boot which is like i said top goal scorer golden ball which is the player of the tournament um i will you know as a pat on my own back i hit that at the the 2018 world cup with luka modric won a ton of money because he was at 101 or so um bj let's start with you what's your favorite player prop okay so yeah i've already mentioned marata 31 golden boot ishak golden boot um i'm gonna go with golden ball and i think it's purely just kind of based on the number and it's going to be Memphis to pie for golden ball at 50 to one. You know, if you're talking about a guy who is under 20 to one to be the golden boot and to lead the tournament in assists, why not just take him at 50 to one to be the golden ball? I mean, like Anthony said, he is the absolute cog to this Netherlands attack. He has been involved in 17 of their 35 goals throughout your world cup qualifying. And I just, it's kind of crazy to me that he's, you know, 50 to one at that number, you know, I usually, you know, I think four out of the last five major international tournaments, a midfielder has one golden ball, but yeah, I, for a guy who's going to be involved in all of their, uh, all of their attacking, given the path we already talked about for Netherlands, where they wouldn't have to play face another group winner until the semifinals. If they win group C that gives them a perfect opportunity to put up some big numbers against lesser competition. And, you know, if Netherlands can, you know, shock the world and then, you know, just get to the final, he could definitely win golden boots. So yeah, I love his value at 50 to one for a guy who's going to have a ton of goals and assists throughout this entire tournament and play a lot of lesser competition. Anthony. I wish I had gotten on the Angolo Conte sweepstakes before the champions league final. Um, you know, him having the, the player, the t- player of the game in that definitely killed any chance of betting that. Um, yeah, that being from, said, he went from 40 to one down to 10 to one in like the last eight days. So, which is insane. Yeah. I, I wish I, I would lay minus 1200 that he wouldn't win that. But anyway, uh, so for the, for the, uh, golden boot, I mentioned this earlier. I like to pie, uh, and I like, uh, Isak young player of the tournament. Uh, you can find him at the, out there too. Uh, I believe he's 20 to one. PJ mentioned that those are the two I'm riding, uh, to and Isak both had great years. Both looked fresh at the end of the season, which is a huge part of this. And this is the one thing for me that I'm looking to watch. You know, unders were more profitable in the Premier League than they've been since our Action Network Bet Labs started tracking the data. The players look dead on their feet at large portions of the season. Uh, I know BJ is showing value on a lot of overs early in the group stage. The one thing for me with the totals, I just want to watch a couple of games and see what they look like, because I'm not sure if we're going to get just pure adrenaline that's going to carry these players playing international tournament. I don't know what the rotation system is going to look like for managers who can and can't rotate. Uh, So the totals are the thing that I'm just really not sure what to expect. I think there's a 
real world here where, you know, the smarter managers are able to figure out that, hey, we can probably just bunker in and look to counter and make these games really awful to watch and really ugly. Uh, but I think the managers who come out and try to go gung-ho are going to give up a lot of goals. And so if you can try to, you know, watch the first group stage match and see how there could be some tactical stuff going on and try to figure out from there how this tournament's going to look, because I think it's really interesting uh, when the players are dead on their feet and they're still being asked to press like it's uh, 2017. When uh, when you see low totals, the first place you want to start with on the three-way money line is draws because yeah. I think a, a big thing, a big misconception out there with, with three-way money lines is when you have two teams that are evenly matched, that that's when you want to bet the draw. But it's really when you have two teams that set up well defensively, uh, that's that's when you want to start looking to the draw. My favorite, I, I, I like a, a golden ball bet. I like Kareem Benzema, 25 to one. His first tournament back with France in, God knows how long uh, he obviously had a falling out and which is uh, that's every player on France at, at some point has a falling out with the national team. There's always a big soap opera and then they come back um, and sometimes they light it up. I think that Benzema, he's one of the best goal scorers, one of the best front men in the world. Uh, he's 13 to one to win the golden boot. So if he wins the golden boot, I think that you'd probably say he might have a really good chance of winning the golden ball. And that's basically double the odds, 25 to one. Um, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm in on the Alexander Ishak train too. I think, you know, he's definitely someone that will just be fun to bet on throughout the entire tournament, whether, uh, you know, you want to do golden boot at 101, young player of the tournament, 21, or just keep backing him to be like the first goal scorer in Sweden games. Those, those bets are always a lot of fun. And I think, you know, that's, that's basically it. I don't know, uh, if there's anything else that we need to cover this, uh, obviously a ton of geopolitical stuff we could get into, but our sponsors asked us not to, uh, and, and that's one of the beautiful, beautiful things about this tournament is that, you know, we are talking about 24 countries who have, you know, fought wars and stuff with each other throughout history. And now they just play soccer. Um, so make sure you, you check out the action networks, Euro 2020 coverage, BJ, Anthony, myself, Matt Treby, Jeremy Pond, and Ian Quillen will we'll have coverage for every single match. We'll we'll be doing video. We'll be doing. We're, we're going to be treating this like it's the Super Bowl every day, basically. Uh, much to the chagrin of our the the guys at the top of the chain, who I had to remind what the Euros were a couple months ago. That's mm. that's our that's our fearless leader in chief, Chad Millman, who thought I was talking about a, a golf tournament. So you know, for BJ, for Anthony, I'm Michael Leboff, and that'll do it. It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home.